As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're connected to Business Wrap. Find us online at businessrap.biz, on Twitter using handle AskBizRap, and on Facebook, just search Business Wrap. And now, Michigan Reimagined with Chris Buck. Good day, listening audience. Uh, we're here with another fantastic show, and I've got today Mr. Ben Backen, who is the co-chair of the Lansing Financial Health Team. So we're in a lot of hats in our greater Lansing community, but today I'm looking forward to him sharing his expertise in the field of financial crisis that's facing many of our local governments. And that's underfunded legacy costs. And it seems like if we're talking about the economic sustainability of Michigan, this conversation needs to begin with this particular topic. So welcome, Ben. Thanks for coming out today. Appreciate it very much, Chris. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. On June 30th, I saw a Washington State Journal headline that says the pension hole for U.S. cities and states is the size of Germany's economy. And the subtitle Mm -hmm. says many retirement funds could face insolvency unless governments increase taxes, divert funds, or persuade workers to relinquish money that they are owed. In a nutshell, what does this mean? What are we talking about it when we hear um, pension debt and underfunded liabilities? Yeah, I'm glad you asked it that way, Chris, because um, as I've spent more and more time on this issue with my involvement with the Lansing Financial Health Team over the last several years, I've really identified that that is core to the challenge in addressing the problem, is that it's confusing to even understand what it is, what we're talking about with the average listener or reader. Um, you know, when, uh, when a resident of a city or, or any municipality uh, is driving, you know, through the winter and they're hitting potholes, they, <laughs> they understand that's pretty simple. Or, um, you know, police officers or, or, you know, fire, public safety, you know, needing, needing to provide those services, that's very clear. Uh, and when more dollars are needed for those kind of services, it's well understood. This is a complex issue in terms of what we're talking about, and it's a very complex issue in terms of fixing as well. So I'm glad you started with the what are we talking about, kind of the what does it mean, because <laughs> yep. we spent a lot of time even talking about that. So w- when we talk about an underfunded um, post-retirement uh, uh, liability, could be pension or it could be what's called OPEB, other post-employment benefits. 
uh, what you're talking about in that numeric dollars, that's the present value, that's the dollar value that that municipality would need to have additionally to be able to fund all of those future obligations. So when you think about that, you're, you're really basing that on a lot of assumptions and a lot of estimates um, because you're taking the dollars that you have and you're assuming what is the market rate of return going to be? How long are people going to live? Uh, you know, what's the expected inflation rate you know, going to be? What are the hiring trends going to be? So, so with this problem that's created when right now essentially what that means is that that dollar amount that you're talking about is the shortfall the municipalities have combined in terms of paying all those future obligations, essentially answering, all, you know, keeping all of those promises. Got it. So <clears throat> basically it's what we owe to people that don't work here anymore, right? Correct. So it's, it's what we, what we don't have in current cash to be able to pay all those future payments, projected payments. And with the pension component of it, um, that one is more predictable in a lot of ways. The, People understand that when they think about their pension. The, the piece that's really not focused on and not understood enough is the other one I referred to, that OPEB, the other post-employment benefits, because that's a lot harder to predict in terms of the escalation of health care costs year over year. That would have been very difficult for anyone to estimate accurately. So uh, you know, that's an additional challenge with the problem. Okay. So is it fair to say that this is that proverbial elephant in the room? You mentioned the potholes and, you know, we're trying to hear about, you know, incentives for redevelopment of our downtown cores. And we're trying to attract youth and, you know, fix our bridges and roads and pure Michigan campaigns and all of this stuff almost needs to take a back seat to this ticking time bomb. Yeah. Yes. You're correct that it's the elephant in the room. No question. Does it need to take a back seat? I mean, it's a focal issue for me, but I also understand the bigger picture that for every municipality, uh, um, I don't care if you're a township, if you're a city, uh, you're a county, or at the state level or the federal level that has this problem. You want to make your community attractive to live. You want to attract people. You want to attract businesses. You want to see growth and development. Um, you can't do that if you're not providing essential city services, or, or I should say essential local services that people expect. Um, and so it's not like you can say, well, we're, 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 we're going to, you know, we're going to drastically cut public safety, police and fire, or we're not going to plow roads anymore. We're not going to have parks anymore. I mean, that's not realistic to be able to do it. And most municipalities are in a, in a situation where the dollar value is so great, you can't just cut your way out of the problem. Right. So, but in order to be able to provide all those services into the future, this has to be addressed. That's the key message is that there needs to be more attention on it. There needs to be more focus on it. Um, some municipalities are far ahead of others in terms of working to identify the problem because there is no easy fix. Um, but, but more and more, you know, things have to start happening or something that right now is a, is a problem in the future is going to be a crisis. Well, why does this all seem to be boiling over now? <clears throat> Certainly if you're paying attention, there's a lot of chatter about this. And, and so why, why today or why, why, why this time in history is this becoming a bigger problem? Yeah, so a couple reasons. Uh, State of Michigan passed legislation in December of last year, uh, I believe it was PA 202, that is, is bringing attention to this issue. And through that, uh, municipalities are required to submit to Treasury analysis of where they sit with respect to their pension, and or OPEB liabilities, depending on, on whether or not they have them. Uh, that legislation 
um, is bringing attention to the issue. It's bringing transparency to the issue because it's it's requiring all, all municipalities to submit but have unified assumptions. So in other words, Chris, if you and I are mayors of two different cities, um, I may have an, a, an, a rate of return assumption in the market that's 10%. Maybe you're using an assumption that's 6%. Maybe I'm using a mortality table that says average life expectancy is X. You're using one that's saying, well, it's five years longer than that. We could have the same terms of the pay we need to make and the cash that we have on hand, but we're going to have two drastically different numbers based on those assumptions, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So part of this problem or part of this process is providing unified assumptions so that you get everybody on a level playing field. Uh, but then the next step that, that right now cities and municipalities are in the process of is submitting a plan to the state in terms of how we're going to address this to get to the minimum funding levels that the state has put in place. Is this problem unique to Michigan or is this happening all over the country? Yeah, it's certainly not unique to Michigan. Um, however, I, I heard once that um, of all of the pension plans in the entire country, so not the dollars, but the number of separate pension plans, about a quarter of them are here in the state of Michigan. Uh, that's because historically, um, you can go back and there's different theories on this, but certainly where our economy uh, was growing at one point, really driven by the auto industry. Sure. And in the auto industry, it was very common that pensions were part of compensation plans as they were, as they were growing in uh, growing and hiring people, municipalities needed to follow suit, they felt, and provide those same kind of pension plans. There's some states also that have uh, unified pension plans. So think about like what we have in education in the state of Michigan through MIPSERS, where it is all one plan. Essentially, um, we have a lot of little plans throughout the state of Michigan. Township can have their own, city can have their own. Within a certain city, you can have multiple you could have, like, for example, the city of Lansing. There's one for public safety, which is police and fire, separate plan for ERS, which is everybody else. So with that, um, there's a lot of little plans. It's a difficult task for the Treasury to be on top of all of those, um, uh, you know, in terms of trying to manage, manage it. And then each, each situation is very different in terms of how you're going to address that fix. So I had a question that was going to, you know, <clears throat> you know, it was going to ask about whether different municipalities are hit differently. And I think you've already kind of answered that. And part of that could be just simply the number of people that they had. And then also some of these metrics that you were talking about, anticipated rate of returns and mortality rates and all of that. Is that why you might hear of one municipality having a $30 million hole and one having $200 million hole? Yeah, there's a lot of factors. It's a very good question, Chris. What I will say, though, is that in general, and this is a key point for people who are listening to understand, it, that whether it's a $30 million hole or a $3 million hole or a $700 million hole, it doesn't always mean, and generally doesn't, that that was mismanagement by the municipality. That's what people want to go to. They want to hear a big number and say, see, the municip municipality has mismanaged funds. Now, each municipality is going to be different in terms of how well they manage their budget. I'm not saying all of them are perfect, but this is an issue that is created based on the key drivers being several. Number one, as I said, the rate of return of the stock market. So in the Great Recession that we all remember from 07, 08, 09, and when our 401ks and retirement <laughs> plans, yep. we didn't like looking at those monthly statements, okay? That drastically hit those numbers. So that's one. Uh, another is that people are living longer than, than was the original assumption. Is that a bad thing? Of course not. 
but it, but it's a reality and it's impacting this. Um, and and there are so, and then again, as I said, on the OPEB side, which is primarily healthcare, healthcare costs have risen faster than than anyone really could have predicted. Many times, those healthcare uh, plans were put in place as a benefit, um, be, and they were so cheap at the time. Sure, what the heck, you know, lifetime healthcare. Now, as we've seen what's happened with healthcare costs, again, you have to go back to when a lot of these plans started decades ago. It was a very different world. So. When you look at that, I mean, is the municipality in charge of how the stock market performs or, you know, you know, mortality tables? The other thing is that municipalities are so focused every year on balancing their budget, there have been cases where uh, you've had to reduce staff in terms of number of people. Well, now what you have is you have less people paying into the plan. You still have the same amount of retirees. So a key metric that the state looks at and that I look at is what is the ratio of your active employees to retirees? City of Lansing, for example, is at almost 2.5 retirees for every one active employee. So think about that. For every one active employee that's paying in, you have approximately two and a half almost that are retired. Right. You don't need to be a math you know, actuary. <laughs> that's the, it's not going to work. And then some municipalities are as many as six to one retirees to active employees. So, you know, so there's a lot of different reasons. And then again, each municipality structured their plans differently in terms of how those are. Some really just have a pension problem. Others have more of an OPEB problem. Some have addressed the pension piece, but the OPEB is still out there. So it just varies municipality by municipality. So recently, we've had two local municipalities here in the Lansing region taking big steps towards fixing their problems. And it was almost, uh, it was, I think, uh, late uh, 17 that Meridian Township passed a police and fire millage that gave them some immediate funds to hire additional policemen and firemen, uh, and then also start stockpiling cash for, I think, a new ladder truck. Uh, but then they were pretty transparent in explaining that, that the additional capital raised was going to go uh, to help Meridian become a debt-free community within a decade, which I think is a really noble pursuit. And then we had East Lansing a year later uh, pass a uh, income tax, uh, and if I'm not mistaken, most of those funds are also to go towards, you know, you know, filling their shortfall bucket. Is that, you know, can you elaborate a little bit about what I just said? And, and is that really the solution that these municipalities are going to need to make around the state to get whole? Or is there other, are there other ways to do it? Well, the, the last part of your question is the, is the very key part in terms of are there other ways to do it? And, and the unfortunate answer is there just aren't a lot of levers to pull for the municipalities to fix these problems. And that's another thing that, that people have to recognize. If, um, if, if I, as a consumer, I have my income fall, I've got a lot of different ways that I can adjust for that. Or if I have my expenses go up, I have other expenses I can cut. I have other jobs I can go look for. I can, I can look for additional revenue streams. You know, I, I could choose to, instead of, you know, going out to, you know, a fancy steak restaurant, I'm going to go to Taco Bell. I can cut those kinds of things. A business can do the same thing. A business if they have to, if they're facing a crisis, they can make cuts. They can look to create additional revenue streams. It's different for municipalities. So, so cutting is always an option. But for many of these municipalities who went through a recession as well several years ago, you know, the, the fat has been cut. A lot of the muscle has been cut. You're cutting bone now from a cut perspective. And many times, depending on what that level of the, of the unfunded liability is, you, you can't get there by cutting. So you, what you say, well, let's, let's look at additional revenue streams. The reality is there just aren't a lot of revenue streams and there a lot, aren't a lot of levers to pull that the municipalities can, can do with regard to those. If you're a city, 
you can pass an income tax. Um, but as we saw with the city of East Lansing, it was very difficult to do. They were successfully able to do it this time around, uh, but but it it failed last year when it tried. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons why that's challenging in terms of again being an attractive place to live and attracting people and attracting businesses. But it is one that you can pull. Now a township can't do that. Township can't go go past an income tax. It's just not an option. So then, where you're left with is two main revenue streams: are property tax and revenue sharing. Are the other those are the three main components of revenue for municipalities. With property tax, not to get all into the weeds, but <laughs> proposal A and Headley are two that essentially what they do for your listener is if property values fall like they did several years ago, uh, the assessors have to make those fall, uh, and we can circle back if we need to. Um, okay. But no, I, I appreciate that. This Just conversation. Not a lot of options. Yep. Not no, I understand. Do you think our hardest days are ahead of us or do you think we're coming out of the weeds? No, without question, they're ahead of us. And if there's one thing, we need to pay attention to this um, because if, if we don't, it's going to go from problem to crisis. Well, thank you, Ben Backen, for coming in, the co chair of the Lansing Financial Health Team. It's a riveting conversation. We're not going to fix it fast. <laughs> I don't know about riveting, but thanks, Chris. Business Wrap. More information is available on our website, businesswrap.biz. And we close with our founder, Suzanne Heward. That's a wrap. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.